step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to the Kingdom Hour, where we are sharing real-life stories that are here to impact and empower you in mind, spirit, body, and soul. Join us each week as our guests share wonderful stories about how they overcame. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Donna Ganny, and I want to welcome you to the Kingdom Hour, where we are sharing real-life stories that impact spirit, soul, and body toward experiencing the Kingdom of God. And, of course, that is with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a guest with us today by the name of Dr. Nathan Slegger of whom is a professor at George Fox University in Oregon. And his most uh, recent book is Passover, the story of Easter from the beginning. So we will be talking about this today. And before we start, let's welcome Dr. Nathan Slegger to the Keenum Hour. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you as well. Um, now, before we start, um, I want—I have some questions to ask you, but I, I would like for you to tell the audience about yourself, um, Dr. Nathan. Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm a professor of mechanical engineering, which is—you know—most people usually ask, "How do you do engineering?" And then, where did the—you know—the Passover and Easter come in? Those usually aren't two connections that are obvious. And so one of the things, as as a professor of engineering, I like to uh, organize things in a very methodical way. And, you know, as, as I was studying the Passover and the Easter and those connections, to me, my engineering mind just saw all these different parts of a puzzle that kind of fit together into a, you know, really rich story that, that spans, you know, the entire Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes, yes, it it uh yeah, you definitely need both the old and the new testament to get the full picture. I absolutely agree with you. Um well, one of the things I want to ask you is in on the emphasis of your investigation of the Passover through Easter is to meet Jesus again for the first time and to restore the joy of our salvation. Can you explain what is meant by that and how it's accomplished? Yeah, absolutely. So that really, that summarizes kind of my personal journey through this whole thing. You know, it, it started, I would say, about 10 years ago. We had a Messianic Jewish rabbi come to our, our church, 
you know, just describing the connection of the Passover and, you know, how that relates to Easter and the overall meaning. And as he went through and told some of the stories and we went through some of the scriptures, I really saw this the, the story unfold that I had knew, known most, most of these details personally for a long time. You know, growing up mm-hmm. in church, I had I, I would have known all these, and most if you most listeners will probably recognize many of the details. But when I saw it as one story, I felt like I was essentially meeting Jesus again for the first time. And what I mean by that is there are lots of things. Once we know something, and we've known it for a while, if you've been uh, a believer for decades, we know the facts. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. also know our relationships, you know, with others, with Jesus, with God, all those those things, even places that we know for a while. At some point, they become so familiar that, for lack of a better word, I would say, they sometimes become almost stale. Yeah, and there's always a value in going back and looking at those to refresh our perspective. And that's what I mean by, you know, going back and Easter is a great time to go back and look at this whole story and, and Jesus again for the first time. And I, I compare this to, you know, if anyone who's been married for a while, I think that's that's a good analogy. I've been married for working on 16 years now. And there's, you can always remember when you meet your spouse for the first time. You know, that, that's a, kind of a pivotal point in your life. And there, there's lots of thoughts that go through your mind, and you, you definitely remember that. You also remember when you, when you first became saved, there's that transformational relationship for that first time. But even with a marriage, like after, you know, 16 years, you're so busy with your kids, your jobs, you see each other all the time, but you don't really – get to explore that relationship as much. And both my wife and I travel quite a bit. And I've Mm -hmm. noticed that once we're gone for a week or so from each other, you know, we still talk on the phone, but when you come back to the airport, you come home for that time after a week and you haven't seen your spouse, there's something like it's, it reminds me of that first time I met her. You kind of get a refreshing perspective. You remember Mm -hmm. all these things and that's what I mean by, you know, meeting Jesus for the first time. We can revisit some of these stories that we're com- very familiar with and look at them from a, a fresh perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a necessity um, as a believer that we visit it often. Um, you know, you emphasize that the story of Easter, well, you know, before the resurrection and consistently told from the beginning. What are some connections between the Passover and Easter that are less commonly known? So when when we think of Easter, you know, when that word comes up, or even you know Resurrection Day, however we describe this, we we often will think of. We can tie that back to Passover because of the the concept of the Lamb of God. So the the first connection we make is one that we're pretty familiar with, is, you know, when when John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That that clearly ties this this whole idea back to the Passover, where there was a a sacrificial lamb when when the Israelites were leaving Exodus. And, And we quickly think of Passover sacrificing lamb, we go through the, the mighty acts of 
the exodus, the plagues, crossing you know, the Red Sea and leaving. And a lot of times that's where we sometimes stop. I mean, those are, those are great events, big landmarks, but there's, there's so much more connections to this, this Easter, which happened just after a Passover time in Jerusalem and this very first Passover. Going back even further, some of the other connections that we sometimes miss is, you know, even with Adam and Eve, you know, this is when, when they sinned, the first thing they did was try to cover their nakedness with fig leaves by the work of their own hands. And God wasn't satisfied with that. And he replaced their man-made garments with garments he made by shedding blood of an animal. So we get yeah. very, from the beginning, there's that this connection to Passover and something that's going to happen later at, at this at the resurrection and that, or that that Easter time. You know, going forward even further, we have you know the story of Isaac. Very similar parallels: the the sacrifice of an only son who was obedient to death. If if you read the details in the twenty first chapter of Genesis, you know he even carried the own the wood for the sacrifice on his back, similar to how Jesus carried the cross to his sacrifice. Those are those parallels. Those are commonly known, but I think as we move even further, there's some of the less common stories, such as you know Joshua. You know when you think of that first Passover before the Exodus. One of the next occurrences of a celebration of the Passover was when Joshua brought the Israelites into the Promised Land. There was the Passover at Gilgal. And there's these interesting connections between – when we think of that first uh, exodus, the whole point was to bring the people out of slavery and into the Promised Land. That was the promise God made. and. One of those small details that we often forget when we're going to the story is that hasn't hap- didn't happen yet at the time of Joshua. They did leave Egypt, but Moses never got them to the promised land. There was a right. law given. They were in the desert for 40 years. There's a lot of events that happened, but that fulfillment of redemption hadn't been finished yet. And then when we get to Joshua... It's not the law that Moses gave that brought them into the promised land. There's this other person named Joshua who, just like Moses, brought them across a body of water that was miraculously parted, in this case the Jordan River, instead of the Red Sea. They got into the promised land also at Passover time, and they celebrated that Passover. The reason that connection, I think, is, is really significant to me is you know, the name Joshua in Hebrew is Yeshua, which means Yeshua. the Lord is salvation. Yeah. And when we get to yeah. Jesus' name, it's it's the same name. Yeah. Jesus' name would have been Yeshua if we don't look at it in the Greek. And so you see this illusion that says it's not the law that's going to save the people, bring them into the promised land. There's going to be this future Yeshua who will actually complete the act. And that points right back to this, this final Passover and then the, the death and resurrection in Easter. And, and one further connection as we keep going through. There's another one that I really appreciate that is very rarely pointed out, and it's the story of Ruth. Ruth is a continuation. And when I bring up Ruth and the Passover and Easter, people, the first question they bring up is, well, there's no Passover in Ruth. 
And it's true mm. that the word Passover never explicitly appears. But Ruth, that story is intimately tied to the Passover in a couple ways. If we go back mm-hmm. to the, the plague of hail, back of the Exodus, there's a little footnote in your Bible that typically says, when the plague of hail came, the barley harvest was ruined mm-hmm. and the flax mm-hmm. was was headed. And so it's just a little note, but the Passover is a spring holiday, and it always occurs as the barley harvest is ripening. That would be the, you know, the, the first fruits of the year. Well, when we go back to the story of Ruth, it doesn't say this is Passover, but it notice it says it was the barley harvest that was ripening, and Ruth yeah. and Naomi are going back. So that clearly says this is Passover time. Passover time. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, and, that's... and it get oh, and it gets even better because that that kind of loosely ties the period to we know it's Passover. Mm-hmm. But remember, Ruth and Naomi they were in Moab, which is on the eastern side of the Jordan River. So during this time of Passover, just like Joshua and the Israelites as they were leaving the the desert and going into the Promised Land, they were also in Moab. They crossed the same Jordan River at the same time of year on their way to Jericho. So Ruth and Naomi are walking in the same footsteps as Joshua. They had to cross the same Jordan River exactly at the same time of Passover. And that kind of sets the stage. When we look at the story of Ruth, which is a redemption story, it's also Mm -hmm. a Passover story. And it's a personal, it's more of a personal story, not so much of the details of Passover, but it's showing you what does the redemption through Passover, what is it supposed to achieve? And we see that relationship through Ruth and Boaz, and it's this future story of what Jesus is going to achieve at the, his Passover and his Easter. It's more of a story about relationship, redemption, rest and the relationship that's achieved through redemption. So that's just some of those things that I think are often missed when we look at those, and it tells such a rich story that really yeah. highlights what the point of Easter is. Yeah, I mean, because even as you read Ruth, you you only pay attention to the fact that it is, just like you said, it's the time of the harvest, but, you know, you connected some dots there that, probably a lot of people don't think about. So why do you think that uh, these connections between Passover and Easter are often overlooked? I, I think there's a, yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. And one of, one of them is, is really interesting that even the name for Easter, like when we think of the name for Easter and Passover in English, they have no mm-hmm. connection to each other. Right. And yeah. In fact, you know, the, where do we get Easter actually comes from the name comes from a pagan god of fertility, which is like mm-hmm. Ostra. And mm-hmm. you know, in, in certain languages, English, German, and Dutch, that fertility god of the spring, which is when Passover occurs, that's what we call, mm-hmm. you know, Easter for some reason. But mm-hmm. that's only in a few languages that masks the connection. You know, many yeah. other languages such as Latin, French, and many others. You know, in Hebrew, the that Passover we hear in Exodus is called Pesach. 
Mm-hmm. And most other languages don't call Easter something related to the word Easter or the, the fertility god. They mm-hmm. call it something related to Pesach. So in French and Latin, you have something that's similar to Pascal. Mm-hmm. It intimately connects the Passover and Easter, and they're really the same word. So yeah. I think that's one of those superficial connections that our English language and even German kind of covers up, and we don't get that. Yeah, yeah, it's true, absolutely. Um, and then it takes away what it's actually all about um, as well. Um, how how does the – go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I think there's a couple. So that, that that's one superficial reason, I think, just from our own language, why that connection is missed. I also mm-hmm. think maybe another reason all these connections aren't made is that many of the events that surround, you know, Passovers in the Bible – Mm-hmm. are also pretty familiar stories. Think of the, you know, the first Passover, you know, sacrificing the lamb, putting the blood on the doorpost. We have the yeah. plagues, we have the exodus. Those are such great events that when mm-hmm. we teach our children about those in Sunday school, we focus on you know, all the miracles, all the big events. And that's what everyone thinks of as far as the Passover and exodus. And even when we get to Joshua, you know, what? what's the one story we always tell our kids and we emphasize on Joshua? It's the defeat of Jericho. You know, mm. and most of the time, these these Sunday school stories, you know, and rightly so, for, for children, we we tell the fun part, you know, the exciting events, but we miss yeah. some of the redemption story behind it. And so I think that is a second reason why we, you know, as we grow up, we miss some of those details. And I think even maybe a third reason is, you know, these connections are pretty deep. And we're we're yeah. in a time yeah. where most of our Sunday sermons, you know, depending on, on your church and how it goes, is at least they're, my, they're all about 30 minutes. We have some singing, we have other things. And, you know, in 30 minutes, it's really tough to tie together six or seven stories all the way throughout, you know, that can be done over a longer time, but, you know, sometimes I think it's, you know, it's just tough to get all those details in. So we'll focus on one event at a time. Yeah. And from week to week, those connections are missed. Now I think for all those reasons, that's why, that's why I wrote this book is I felt like when I looked at these details, if you lay them out, you look at the whole story, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is very amazing, um, and it's it's piecing a lot of things together that is like we were saying that is often overlooked, and um, I think it's important for us to get a clear understanding of this. And I'm glad that you're sharing it today with the audience. How does the order in which God revealed Himself as a Redeemer and a Lawgiver? through history enrich or even clarify or even clarify the meaning of Easter. And so I think that's what's remarkable about this this entire story, you know, starting from Genesis, going through the Old Testament, and then fulfilled with Jesus in the New Testament. When I look at this, it's not just – sometimes the order, I think, matters. A lot of times, if we look superficially at this – we would see Jesus doing the Last Supper, right? This this occurred on you know at a Passover time, 
mm-hmm. and then we have the you know his death and resurrection and just looking at it sometimes we would say well that's that's a very interesting way I'm, i i'd see why jesus chose the passover for his for this death and then finally the resurrection and i think that's a yeah. backwards way of looking at it i don't think that the passover existed and just because of the connection Jesus chose to have his final entry in Jerusalem, his death and resurrection at Passover. I think it's the other way around. I think that was planned from the beginning. He was always going to have that Passover. He was always going to have his death and resurrection at that time. And I think from creation, all the other events were set up specifically to show what he was doing, why he was doing that, and what it meant. And so when I look at it that way, this whole process going back through that first Passover, Jesus first, or, I mean, or God through the Moses and the burning bush, first defined what redemption was. If you read that story, when God is telling Moses about what he's going to do, he specifically says, he uses the word, I am going to redeem my people. I'm going to free them. Remove mm-hmm. them from bondage. I will redeem them, take them as my people, and bring them to the promised land. That definition of redemption came first, and that sets up everything. And then mm-hmm. through the law of Moses and the events that come, redemption was explained. And that, that's what the purpose of the law was. The law wasn't going to save us. The law wasn't going to bring us into that right relationship the law was just there to explain redemption for generations so we would understand what our, our need for salvation. And then finally, as Jesus came and we have this final Passover, this death and resurrection, that was the fulfillment of redemption. And when you look at that huge process of Jesus def- or of God defining redemption, him explaining it through through the law and Moses and Joshua and Ruth, and then it being fulfilled, that entire road to Easter really is just one story. And I think that in remarkable detail clarifies the purpose for anyone who wants to to know it. Yes, 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 absolutely. I totally agree with you. Um uh, that that's some deep stuff there. <laughs> I'll have to go back and reflect on that about the um Passover meal um as well. So, you know, can you explain how the why behind Easter is more important than the what and its application to our daily life and community um now and even back then? Okay. You know, and I think this is the difference between a why and a what, you know, I'll maybe explain what what I would interpret that for for the audience first is, you know, the why is a purpose behind why you do something. Mm-hmm. The what is the details, and I, I yep. would think of, you know, think of a, a parent-child relationship. When your parent tells you to do something, mm-hmm. there's the the why. You're gonna do right. it because your parent is your authority and they told you to do it and you're going to be obedient. So that's the reason behind why you obey. The, the, the what is, you know, I'm going to take out the garbage or I'm going to mow the lawn. Those are the details of, of what you're fulfilling. 
And, and I think when we look at Easter, that connection is also very important because a lot of times, and I'm, I'm very guilty of this too, is we get so, so focused on the what. The what would be things like, well, what do we call Easter? You know, since the word Easter comes from, you know, a pagan fertility god, a lot of people are like, well, we're not going to call it Easter. We'll call it, you know, Resurrection Sunday because that makes more sense. I mean, that's true to what it should be. And other people will call it different things. And I think that's more of a what. Also, what what do we eat on Easter? You know, we everyone has their traditions of we're going to eat this food for this reason. You know, there's Easter egg hunts. There's all these other traditions which – you know, some mm-hmm. people say we shouldn't do those or we should do those or they're fine. Mm-hmm. In the big picture, all those details aren't really important. You know, the traditions that we, we've created around there, that's not the purpose of Easter or why we commemorate it. There's mm-hmm. also arguments about even the, the fundamental timings. If you go back to go to the Last Supper. And once I really started investigating this this Holy Week, its connection between Passover and Easter, I found out pretty quickly that, and this is something I didn't originally know, is most people don't even agree on the actual specific days of the Holy Week. Many people will say that Last Supper was actually a Passover meal that Jesus was celebrating before he was crucified. Other people are looking at the timing of the Gospels and say, well... It was just a regular meal, and when he was crucified on Friday, that was actually the Passover. Was he, you know, was he was he crucified on Passover as a Passover lamb, or did he celebrate a Passover meal with his disciples and then crucify the next day? And, and there's a lot of controversy about which day happened. And I, in, in the grand scheme of things, whatever day he chose. I'm fine with that doesn't mm-hmm. change the resurrection doesn't change that he was tying the Passover together to this. And so arguing about a specific day is probably too much into the details and doesn't change the reason behind it. So that, mm-hmm. that's my, all these what questions don't really matter as much as what was accomplished with the Easter what was accomplished with his death and resurrection? Why did it tie back to Passover, and what was the purpose? And when mm-hmm. we look at the whole story, it was, you know, salvation for us all. It's also, when we think back to that first Passover, it's a prom- bringing us to a promised land. And that land is not so much the land, not a physical land, but it is a relationship with Jesus. It's a rest and a redemption it's really kind of shown through the story of Ruth, and that's what's accomplished. We're reconciled through. And if we get that part right, the why behind Easter, all the other stuff isn't as important. And I will decorate an Easter egg if you want me to, as long as we agree on the, the why behind Easter. I will call it whatever name you know is, is common, but I, I think that the why is the important part. And once that's agreed on, and once we understand that, that really, I think, highlights what Easter is. And I think for years, I was more caught up on the, the rituals of what we would do on an Easter Sunday or a Resurrection Sunday. And after looking at this whole story, I realized that that redemption story has so much to it, and it accomplishes so much 
that it makes Easter that that Easter Sunday for me or Resurrection Sunday becomes really so much more meaningful than I had thought it was before. I see some of these details in there, and like, well, that is so much richer than I had thought. You know, absolutely. I totally agree with you that um, we, you know, if on the why, more so to have a clear understanding of what happened. Why did he do that for us? Um, We needed that atonement because after the, you know, the Passover, before the Passover, the sacrifice of the lamb that occurred is, is, um, you know, it's something very important for the body of Christ to just take notice that that atonement is what has given us life. And I'm not going to be the one to share the final thoughts for the day. I'm going to ask Dr. Nathan to do that, to share your final thoughts of what you would have to say to the body of Christ, to uh, the believer and, and the non-believer, those that just traditionally... Um, follow Easter. What what would you have to say to this global audience now um, that about this Kingdom Hour as far as Passover and Easter is concerned? So I, I mean, I, I want to challenge everyone that you know as we're approaching this Easter is. Go back and take a look at that connection between the Passover and Easter. Look at these familiar stories that you you probably know. You know, I I kind of outlined these in my book, the Passover, the story of Easter from the beginning, and kind of help you along and say, remember this? This is where it's connected. But look at that story. Do it on your own if you like. And I, I think the overall goal, what I've really came through for the last couple Easter's is there's this saint, there's these words in the 51st Psalm. David says, restore the joy of my salvation. And the reason I think that's so important is, you know, we've, most of us have celebrated tens, 20, maybe even 50 Easter's. This is maybe a one where we should go back and kind of look and refresh our perspective on Easter. Not that we're finding new things or changing things, but remind ourselves of the the purpose behind it, what it accomplishes. And that 51st Psalm was interesting because it came from just after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he's saying, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. And he specifically is asking, wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. It's it's a very good Passover message, a very good Easter. He's recognizing his sins, and he wants them cleansed and taken away. And at the very end of that, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit. And as we approach this Easter, take a look at that entire story. Some of those details will probably stand out more to you, and you'll see this overall journey of what it accomplishes. And that's my goal for everyone who looks at it or reads my book is it's not about the facts. It's not about the details or certain dates or traditions. But when you look at it, I hope 
that whole story will restore the joy of your salvation and refresh your spirit. Amen. And you've been listening to the Kingdom Hour, and our guest has been Dr. Nathan Slager. And his book that we've been talking or discussing today is Passover, the story of Easter from the beginning. And would you like to share with the audience on how they can get a hold of your book and also to how they can reach you in case they want you to come out and share more in-depth knowledge over um, the Passover and, uh, you know, the story of Easter from the beginning. Sure. So my book is it's available on Amazon. It's also available if you go to uh, our publisher's website, which is comethirstyministry.com. And if you go to the studies page, you'll see uh, many of our books. There's also a free preview of the book there. If you want to look at the first uh, chapter and a half in the table of contents, you can see that uh, freely available from comethirstyministry.com. You can also contact me directly. My uh, email address is nslegers at georgefox.edu. Okay, and um, so we do thank you for listening to the Kingdom Hour. You have been listening to Dr. Donna Ganey, um, the host of the show, and I hope you will join us again next week on Thursday. And um, I want to thank everyone for listening in, and I also want to say to the body of Christ, we love you, and for everyone out there, we just know that Jesus Christ loves you. And all you have to do is just accept him into your life and learn of him. Uh, find a Bible, Holy Bible teaching uh, church and uh, get engaged so that you can grow in the Lord. And would you like to pray for us as we close out, Dr. Nathan? Sure, thank you. Father, we, we thank you for the, the gifts that you've given all of your, your community and all of your believers. We ask you as we go through this Easter season to help us remember what you've done, the why behind it, so all of us can have an enriched relationship with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for coming to the Kingdom Hour, Dr. Nathan, and you're welcome again at any time. Thank you for having me. All right. Everyone have a blessed and wonderful day. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.